0: Log Talk Radio.
1: And oh, that's not the right. Hold on a second, that's not the right one. Oh, there it is. And action.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is all about wine. The talk show
1: dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert. Ron.
2: Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make mind less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that.
1: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR. And now, All About Wine is on. Is on.
0: Here's Ron. Hey.
2: Hey. Hey. All right, bus people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, bus people. And that was a good out greeting out video. I think we have uh, uh we have well, someone in got, hold. got our Yeah, we got a guest already called in is anxiously waiting to join the show, so uh We'll just jump right on in here. Uh, we've got a guest tonight, Chris Tunstall from, uh, well, he's co-founder of A Bar Above, and there's a lot more than just that involved with A Bar Above. So why don't we bring Chris on and let him start telling us all about all that good stuff. Good evening, Chris. Thank you for joining us tonight.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation.
2: No, I'm, I'm glad to have you with us. Um, so, uh, A Bar Above, I uh, there's a lot. I was reading uh, your uh, website and listening to a couple of your blogs, just all sorts of stuff you're involved with in A Bar Above. So I am going to let you talk. I'm going to let you tell us how it came about. Let's start at the beginning. That's how it came about, Yeah, how absolutely. you became a co-founder of A Bar Above, what is A Bar Above, and and just go on and on. So, uh, you know, you know all about it. So let our listeners know all about it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the story is, you know, goes back a long way. Um, all the way to when I was in Las Vegas, I was a crap stealer. And, uh, you know, the crew were for throwing dice on the table and all that. And I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. I did that for quite a few years. Um, but I left Las Vegas and I needed something exciting, something that kind of replaced that energy around a crap table. Because it's very, um, it just kind of gets into you and you start to crave it after a while. So um, I got into sending Bar. Um, I felt like that was a nice kind of direct replacement for that kind of energy. And I fell in love with it. Um, this was probably early 2000s and um, just absolutely fell in love with it. It, you know, kind of stretched that itch. But there was a cocktail revolution that was happening around that time. It just started in its infancy. And uh, I was paying attention to it. And it was really amazing that it was a very culinary-driven evolution of the bar program. And there was only two places in the world that this was happening in. It was either in New York or it was in San Francisco. And so at that Mm -hmm. time, I was um, living in Sonoma and Napa, which is very appropriate for the show here. Um, (laughs) But I really started to pay attention and uh, learning kind of these new techniques, using fresh juices, learning how to balance cocktails, Um, so it was a really kind of big education for me and just kind of really started to focus on it, realized that, um, it was going to take off and this was going to be something that kind of changed how we perceive cocktails. So I really leaned really heavily into it, learning all the techniques from, um, you know, how to use fresh juice to making your own syrups, making, you know, molecular, um, techniques for making phones and caviars and stuff like that. So I really trying to be at the cutting edge. Um, then I moved to San Francisco and realized that as much as you can find on the internet, which wasn't much at the time, um, <laughs> there was no substitution for being there in person, living it day in, day out, um, because what you see and what you do are two different things. Oh,
0: yeah. So
3: I realized I didn't have the technical skills um, to work in a high-paced environment like that. And it was, um, it was an interesting time back in the day when mixology was kind of the word of the day. And typically what that meant was care about the customer um, and you didn't share your knowledge. And that was kind of my experience as well. Was like in that environment, you know, if you didn't know how to do something as a professional bartender, um, you were kind of looked down upon by the mixology crew. Um, and it was a really kind of negative space. And the, kind of the double-edged sword of it is they wouldn't share the information um, Mm -hmm. with anybody. They were very kind of tightly um, guarded secret. Um, But once he started to look into them, um, they weren't actually correct. Like once he put it in, like started to think about it and using kind of, you know, some science, light science and stuff. Um, So it was really frustrating to me. Um, And so that's kind of when a bar above was kind of in, in its infant stage of sharing information So, basically, anybody outside of San Francisco or New York, they really didn't have access to that information of techniques, the physical and the mental techniques of uh, attending a high-volume craft bar like that. So, that's kind of where it started. Um, And, gosh, that was probably 2003, 2004. And then, you know, I met my wife. I started dating my wife, and I told her about this concept and idea. And uh, the original idea was to start a blog um, to kind of share information. We started with YouTube. But the idea was always to create a training video and sell it by DVD. Mm. So, yeah, that that obviously didn't work, but um, we (laughs) did. um, It was just kind of – it was at the end when Blockbuster was still kind of, you know, big, uh, but it was Uh on its way out. So, um, so, yeah, (laughs) we started
1: doing YouTube. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So, yeah, just kind of evolved it from there, YouTube videos, uh, website. We do a podcast. We have two Facebook groups all the social media platforms. And then uh, along the way, we kept getting people ask us about what kind of bar tools um, we recommend. Um, And at the time, there weren't many great ones. So we solved that problem too. And so now that's a majority of what we do is design um, really fantastic barware um, that, that will last in high volume environments or be really great for somebody at home too.
2: So, sounds, long story. Yeah, well no, that's the audit. Sounds like a great story of what uh, uh well okay, different questions jumping back on it. When yep. you were when you were doing the first bartending stuff and all that, uh, the mm-hmm. uh living in Sonoma at the time, Napa that area. Yeah.
1: Mhm.
2: Okay. And uh, you know, the the concept of having wine as part of your cocktail is even now sounds foreign. I mean wine isn't part of a cocktail. Wine is wine and you pour it in a glass and you drink it. You don't mix it with you know anything else. If you do, you go to the store and buy it in a little bottle and they have a special name for it with mixed other stuff. So what brought on the idea that you can actually do a wine cocktail and have it uh, surpassed the preconceived idea that it was just you know, a kiddie drink? Yeah,
3: uh, and that's a really good question. And I think when we start to talk about kind of the environment of mythology and cocktail uh, creation, there's one thing that's kind of common with a lot of people that do this, and that is no ingredient is sacred um, for us. Like, if it's pure and weird, we want it more. Like, if you tell us we can't have it, that's the only thing we want. We're like, we're like a four-year-old, right? <laughs> so, you know, with, um, with that being said, wine is kind of the sacred thing, and which I'm a, I'm a intro or first-level psalm, and I agree, like, wine has this beauty to it, and it's a very expressive, um, you know, product that just is a reflection of, of its terroir and care and history and all that. Um, so I do understand that, but from the bartending side, you know we're looking for every single ingredient we can get our hands on and if it gives us a little bit of boost in flavor if it gives us anything that we can kind of twist and turn into a cocktail that's interesting and unique and different you better believe we're going to do it uh, mm-hmm. so we've we've tried some really really strange stuff behind the bar um in order to make some really fun cocktails so that's you know one thing but there's kind of a a, a long-standing history of wine cocktails um you know, sangria, for example, is mm, kind of yeah. the old-school version of that. Um, Verjue could be argued, or not verjus, um vermouth could be argued that, mm. that that is a wine-based cocktail. So That's there's true. a long-standing yeah. history, you know, of using that um, in drinks and stuff. So it's always been just another ingredient that we have in our back pocket and um, one that I love to use in drinks.
2: I think you hit upon the main one, though, the sangria. I mean, that's really not a wine so much as it is a cocktail, uh, a blend of everything and fruits and all that. And so that gives you the wine base and all. Um, I I have to share a story with you here. I worked at a liquor store, wine and liquor store, which had Mm -hmm. a bar in it. And this was in oh geez the uh, early '90s, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not the easiest thing. I'm I'm not a bartender. I was never trained as a bartender. Somebody would sit down, and I would say, okay, I can make anything as long as there's two ingredients and one of them has to be soda or water, and that was you know the extent of my uh, my bartending. But uh, there was two other bartenders beside myself. And we decided to create a drink. And actually, it was published. Uh, we did come up with a drink. But the procedure to get to something that was pleasing to the taste was a chore. I mean, we would try a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we had an excess amount of blue karoka is it pronounced? I'm, I can't oh, remember. Uh, blue curacao, yeah. Yeah, blue curacao. We had an excess amount of that. And so we decided we'd make our drink blue and the the process of coming up with the right combination to keep it a blue color and yet have it taste right and be appealing to all the senses was really uh, uh, quite a task we we didn't realize what we got ourselves into as we (laughs) got the enthusiasm to start until we finally got the final product and you know the uh, point being, to make all these different wine ingredients or wine-based cocktails has to be quite a chore because it's not this, okay, well, we'll take a little bit of this wine and we'll put a little bit of this in it, a little bit of that, and there you go. We're all done. I mean – do you are, do you have a base that you start with, or what is the concept of coming up with something? I know it was very difficult for us. I mean, we, we had an idea of a blue cocktail at the end, but we didn't know the journey that it would take to get there.
3: Yeah, and this is it's uh, funny you mentioned it. Um, one of the things I didn't mention is back in 2014, um, my wife and I actually created a mixology certification, um, and it, I believe it's the only one in the world that I know of. Um but it's a really intense course. Um it from beginning to end if you were to take it at a kind of a, a nice, you know, deep pace, um it takes you about nine weeks. Um, wow. so it's a very serious course of study. Um and one of the things that you learn, um uh, and this kind of goes to your point about you know, throwing a bunch of stuff in the glass and, and trying to figure out the structure of a, a drink and, and all that, um there's one main thing that I always try to tell people um, when they're starting out their journey on making cocktails, and this really applies to taking an in abstract ingredient like one and applying it and seeing how it fits in the cocktail world. Um, and that piece of advice is, you know, throw out all your cocktail books, um, <laughs> you know, all the, all the ones that have recipes, because you're not going to learn anything except a recipe in it. What instead, you know, concentrate on the fundamentals. And the fundamentals when it comes to cocktail are, um, what I like to call cocktail family, um, ingredients, and techniques. Those are kind of the big three things to really focus on. So when we talk about, you know, how how we can bring wine into, a, into the cocktail space, the first thing we have to understand is the concept of a cocktail family. And that is, you know, imagine you have a whiskey sour, and traditionally that is whiskey, lemon juice, simple syrup, and optionally an egg. So two parts whiskey, one part lemon juice, one part simple syrup. Now, if you take one step back from that and just do, like, vague style ingredients, like 10,000-foot level ingredients, you have a base spirit, you have acid, and you have sweetness. And those things all balance out to make it a, a good cocktail. So that is what is considered a sour family of cocktail, And you can put any spirit in there um, to replace the, the whiskey, and it's going to be a drinkable, delicious cocktail. Same thing with um, the citrus. If you put in lemon or lime, um, it's probably going to be equally as good. And simple syrup, you have a lot of options at your disposal for making a really flavorful ingredient there. Um, so if you do instead of white sugar, you do brown sugar. Or um, simple syrup is one part sugar to one part water. Um, so if you were to infuse that water with tea, you have a tea simple syrup and that fancy. Or if you replace some of the sweetener with like strawberry jam, now you have something that's more interesting. So, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of substitute these thing, these things in once you understand the variables. Um, so, understanding that cocktail family, you can start to see where you can start plugging in wine as that ingredient. So, understanding cocktail family um, is kind of like the first step in creating cocktails like that. Um, I, I know that's a long-winded answer, but... <laughs>
2: no, that's a good it's answer. I think one that a lot I'd of people don't... Yeah, interesting.
3: Yeah, touch on...
2: Mm -hmm. uh, but then you were saying so I suppose that applies then to the different wines you're saying that the the basic syrup you can vary that by the Mm -hmm. ingredients I suppose that's the same with wine though a cocktail mixed with Cabernet Sauvignon as opposed to Merlot as opposed to Pinot Noir as opposed to Barber is going to change Mm -hmm. the flavor concept of it not greatly, but Absolutely. it will change the flavor concept of it because of the different wines. Now, when you do cocktails with wines, what is... And, and I, Let me also say uh, that Chris has sent us a, well, I think, three recipes, and it's up on our Facebook page now, so if anybody wants to check it out, uh, there's three of Chris's wine recipes. Uh, but when you do a recipe with wine, is wine the primary ingredient or is it secondary even tertiary because of other ingredients that's going to balance? I mean, do you try to bring out the flavors of the wine or is it just Yeah, that's a wine. great question.
3: And I think it, it it really is on what you're focusing on. Um, and I, I feel like there's many stages of wine and cocktails from – kind of easy-level stuff like sangrias and French 75s and um, even a New York sour. And I'll talk a little bit about each one of those here in a second. Um, And then there is, you know, the next step up where you're using wine as a viable ingredient, either as a replacement for your base spirit, or even as something as sacrilegious as turning it into a simple syrup. Um, I know that's probably not (laughs) what people want to hear on this one.
0: You know, the idea of
3: taking a Chastanouk to pop, boiling <laughs> it down until you know it's half the size and then put a bunch of sugar in there it's always going to make a lot of people
2: show up on my door with pitchforks and you cringe <laughs> <laughs> just make your shoulders shake you just shiver thinking about it a know? little
3: bit <laughs> and i fully acknowledge that i fully get it uh-huh. but like even beyond that there's a whole other level
2: of you know
3: wine um as it applies to cocktails and that is kind of at the the pinnacle of all of it is um pairing Like if you design a cocktail that pairs with food, that is kind of the pinnacle of of cocktail creation. It's one of the hardest things to do because you have to have a lot of education and discipline. So when we talk about wine, I think those are kind of the the evolution of wine and cocktails. So if I'm designing a cocktail specifically to bring out the qualities of that wine, then yeah, I'm going to use a lot of it. It's going to be almost a replacement for my base spirit, um, or it's going to have a really pronounced, Focus, Um, And I'm going to choose ingredients that I think are really going to amplify qualities of that wine. So when we talk about that cocktail um, structure, the family, you know, one of the components is acid. So then I kind of use my education in wine to figure out, okay, you know, is there a really great acid that I could use that really will pronounce wine? And, of course, you could use, like, a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc or um, something like that with a nice, Punch of acid, but also verjus. Right. You know, verjus. You know, they pull, they pull the the grapes off early harvest to give more uh-huh. energy into the grapes to get bigger yields or bigger, more juicy grapes. Um, but those early, you know, grapes that they pull off, they're super high in acid. Um, and the French use it as an acid for like salad dressing and stuff. So, wow. once again, I'll look at verjus as an acid replacement.
2: so, so the, I, i'm not
3: gonna lie i love this stuff I, I could talk about
2: this all day i'm not even gonna well lie. <laughs> you you have a captive audience in myself and mike i'm sure mike is is tweeting and writing this stuff down and going crazy because he that's what he does in the background here um okay and so yeah i mean you know this is this is great the, the first thing you said I yep. you reduce it and and get who would consider taking a good bottle of and, Pop and reducing it down and getting uh, a, a, a basic SERP from it. I mean, that that's just scary to think that you're not going to get what you want at the end there.
3: Uh, yeah, and I think you know,
2: there's, there's
3: some, something I mentioned earlier, and I think this is really important, to just bring back to the forefront because I, I, I understand kind of the audience I'm talking to here, and that is, I mentioned nothing is sacred in, in kind of our space, and I do mean that. Like, if you give me, you know, enough money and you give me a project and say, I need you to create this, this particular cocktail, I'm going to do it. And if you say you can use a shot to mix the pop, then great, I'm going to do that too. Um, full respect and full love of all things wine, um, but if that's kind of the the focus that you give me, I'm going to go ahead and figure out how to do that. So that being said, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for these kind of things at the the highest level of cocktail creation when you're talking to brands, when you're talking to, you know, high-end restaurants um, and you're looking to extract that amazing experience, that's when we start to talk about these things. If you're a neighborhood bar, you're probably not going to be, you know, condensing shuttanas to pop down and to make a syrup out of it or anything like that. So... That there's not a lot of shattermisty pop being boiled down for so simple syrup just to put everybody happy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> Here. Uh, a sigh of relief coming from me that time. You didn't really hear it, but it was there. It was. You know. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Uh, uh, you mentioned you know someone come up to you when you do a co- new cocktail. Is the yes. uh, it, is the end result already? well I refer back to when I said we we created one our end result was to have a blue cocktail that was had a little bit of sweetness and that was enjoyable and all that stuff and we came up with that and the road to that was a pain to be honest with you is the end Absolutely. result what you always have in your in the future that you're aiming for or do you start and say, okay, I'm going to use these ingredients. Let's see what type of end result I can get.
3: Absolutely. And I think there is the beginning of stage of understanding ingredients and components, and that is where that lives, right? And I, I think that messing around and, and learning how ingredients work is really critical and important. And I'm not going to do that with a chef in the pop. You know, I'll do that mm-hmm. with barefoot sellers or, you know, something
2: a little bit more approachable. and, and uh, uh, But expensive. let me... Let- um, Let me jump in there, though. When you mm-hmm. do it with, uh, say, Barefoot Cellars, obviously it's it, – it, and nothing against. In fact, we had the founders of Barefoot Cellars on the program. Nothing against the they wine They do a itself.
3: fantastic
2: job. They do Absolutely. a fantastic job. But it is not the uh, – it's, it, it's a wine that is everyday, if you will, as opposed to one yes. that is a l- little bit more – uh, exclusive or a little bit more pricey so based on that you say you do your experiment with with barefoot sellers but doesn't that not really give you the final results that you're looking for once you switch that wine to something else
3: yeah that's a good point point. and I think that you know there's a lot um, of learning that happens in those early stages so for example you know one of the things I would focus on is if I'm going to plan on doing that, and I, I at this point I do have a target in mind. I know how how this is going to turn out and what I want to do. Um, but at that point, there's a lot of just, you know, I wonder how this is going to work. So that being said, you know, when you boil it down, you're looking for overarching themes of how that wine is going to, going to play with those ingredients and that, what happens when I can mix it down to 50%. Because one one thing that could very well happen, is instead of condensing that flavor of wine that you're really going for, you're going to burn it. You're going to turn it bitter. It's going to go off. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's some manipulation and and kind of forethought that you're thinking like, all right, what's going to happen? And if you do it two or three times and you get the same result, you know that no matter what, if you do this, it's going to turn out this way, no matter what wine you put into that equation. So Uh you're looking for overarching themes when you're starting to experiment here. And this is the other thing, you know, there's a lot of different techniques that you would apply, and condensing wine into a syrup is just one of those techniques. So
2: hopefully that makes uh, that, a little you know, bit that It does. Okay. Because, I mean, I'm sure, you know, just changing, like we just mentioned, change from a cab to a merlot is going to change the basic flavor of your cocktail. So, you Absolutely. know, going mm-hmm. from one type of wine to another will, I think, affect it quite a bit, too. So that does answer the question, yes. Sure. Thank you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, to get back to the original question, I think yeah, I when I start to use wine as an ingredient, I always have a target in mind of what I want this cocktail to be, and then I use I marry that with um, ingredients what I have at my disposal, like the bourgeois conversation, um, and then I use techniques um, that I've learned to get me to that that final like mental cocktail that I've already designed and, and concepted out. So that's kind of how they all kind of work together.
2: So you do have a basic target and then you're you know, manipulating your ingredients to reach that target. Okay. that's Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is understandable there. Uh, you said that you were going to cover a couple other topics later uh, and you were talking about the different uh, cocktails. Uh, sure. Yeah.
3: So there's a handful of cocktails that we kind of talked about and covered here earlier. And I think it was, one was a sangria. And I think everyone kind of knows at the heart of what sangria is, right. you know, it's wine with fruit, uh, sugar and to do like a soda element or carbonated element, uh, and potentially fortified. You add some brandy to it or, you know, a spirit of your choice. So that's kind of the roadmap of the sangria. And typically a lot of fruit juice too. Um, Right. And uh, I'm sure everyone has probably had versions of it. Um, the other two that I mentioned was the French 75. So French 75 um, mm-hmm. is a very classic cocktail when it comes to um, craft cocktails. And it's gin, lemon juice, a little bit of simple syrup, and sparkling wine. And my understanding is historically that is named after the artillery pieces that were being fired off during World War One or World War II. Um mm-hmm. And it was just terrifying and so... You know, as a celebration of that, they call this cocktail a French 75. Um, but it's a lovely drink. It is light. It's refreshing. The sparkling wine just kind of makes it effervescent and, and delicious. And it's a really good aperitif. Um, you know, if you're having oysters, um, it's a magical combination, uh, <laughs> French 75 and oysters. Um, so, you know, you could manipulate those ingredients there. You know, we talked about the structure. We have spirits. Which is gin, uh, acid, which is lemon juice. We have a simple syrup, which is your sweetener, and then you add the carbonated element, which is your sparkling wine. So now that mm-hmm. you've identified those four variables, you could really have some fun applying new techniques, substitute ingredients in there, and come up with something very unique, very different, um, pretty easily. Um, so that's a phenomenal cocktail to just have fun with. And this is that particular cocktail, in my opinion, really shows off the quality and the differences in sparkling wine. Um, I just
2: That was going to be my next question, yes. Yeah,
3: yeah it's yeah. so true. Um, but, you know, Prosecco doesn't act like sparkling wine, doesn't act like champagne. Um, so you have a lot of different carbonation um, qualities that are happening in there and different flavor profiles, um, which is so much fun to play with.
2: You especially you can go dry champagne, you can go sweet champagne. It's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so many different profiles of champagne, cavas, proseccoes, uh, you know, it, it, it's just almost endless out there. So just a different ingredient. So based on that, if you order a French 75 at one bar and you go across town to another and you order it again, are they still using the same sparkling wine, or does it change? So therefore, it's going to give you a different drink.
3: Well, it's going to change depending on what they're pouring because they're not going to open a bottle of champagne at the bar. They're going to have whatever they serve as sparkling, which is going to be different at every single place. Um, so this is where it really gets interesting. And Ron, I can tell that I've already piqued your interest in this, and now you know maybe a year <laughs> from now you're going to be talking to me like, Chris, Oh my God, you ruined me!" And now all I can do is just.
0: Um,
2: you know, to pop at all my cocktails. <laughs> this is how it starts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, it's just, you know, it, you, it, when <laughs> you you said that the French 7.5 is such, such a wonderful drink and all that. And, you know, you get used to the one taste of it with using a certain champagne or sparkling wine or whatever you're using. Then you walk into a restaurant, you sit down and say, okay. Oysters and french seventy five and then all of a sudden it's a completely different taste profile so mm-hmm. uh, i don't know, that that would be scary when a cocktail is made a certain way with certain wines, but just the difference of the wine is going to change that cocktail completely i mean it's a, a seven yeah. seven is seven up and Seagram 7. Okay, you know that you're not going to make a 7-7 with 7-Up and bourbon. It's going to be Seagram 7. And if it is made with bourbon, you're going to go, ooh, this doesn't taste like a 7-7. Well, the same thing I would think would happen when you start getting used to a certain wine cocktail and you go to somebody else and they're using the same ingredients, it's going to be different it's going to i don't know uh, be disappointing yeah, I think or be
0: the, yeah. go on yeah
3: no I was going to say I think this is one of the critical differences between <clears throat> the world of wine and the world of cocktails is with wine you know the more you're educated the more you really start to appreciate you know all all of the producers the regions and you really start to dive into wine There's consistency there. There's things you're betting on that you already know. Okay, I know that, you know, this particular producer in France is going to produce this particular style of of wine, and I can bet on that year after year after year. You know, you have your house style, and it's going to be this style year after year after year. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about cocktails is you are going on a bit of a, a trust adventure, and sometimes it's going to backfire on you completely. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Yeah. I've done that a couple of times. So, you know, it's all about being in the right environment, you know, establishing a relationship with the bartender that's producing us and level of trust as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't go into, you know, a neighborhood bar and order oysters. Well, I probably wouldn't do that, period. <laughs> anyway, uh, <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
3: Yeah. If it was reputable and it was a thing and that was a jam, totally, but I'm probably not going to order a French 75 to go with that because the bartender back there probably doesn't have, has dedicated the education and the time to develop those skills to make that particular drink, uh, well with oysters. So it's about the, the establishment as well. Um, so hundred percent, you're absolutely right. It's not going to be consistent, but that's part of the duty also of like, you're trusting this person, their education, their passion, and you're kind of just kind of surrendering to their, their abilities um, and sometimes it's going to be beautiful and sometimes it's going to be um, laughable <laughs> and it'll be a great conversation for the person you're with. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah, I can imagine it would, yes. Uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah, but it just, I don't know, mixing, mixing wine and cocktails, it seems to me like there would be so many variables that mm-hmm. It's it's going to, well, like I say, you know, it's like a 7-7. Seven, seven. you got a basic taste if you're used to one style. But then, you know, a, a different wine is going to throw you a, a whole new flavor profile, just like the wine itself is. And,
3: yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and, I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, I have a, a, a deep, you know, appreciation for wine. Like I mentioned, I'm... Uh, a first-level psalm, so I have a lot of education when it comes to wine, flavor profiles, what to expect, and all that stuff. Um, And when we talk about ingredients and variability and things, like I wouldn't recommend just anybody diving into cocktails. Um, You know, knowing a lot about wine, you have that expectation, you know what you're dealing with, but when it comes to cocktails, that's only one small ingredient in all of the ingredients that are out there, and the techniques you have at your disposal, and that balance with acid, spirit, and sweetener on the, on the high level. Um, so, yeah, it it can be intimidating. There's a lot to it, and I think that's, you know, maybe you don't do it right when you open a, bo- a fresh bottle of wine. Maybe, you know, day two and you're feeling a little bit adventurous and, like, I'm not sure this is, you know, up to its prime. Let me throw in the cocktail, see what happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, yeah, that would <laughs> it would be one way to to treat a wine as opposed to you know just some people say, well, yeah, I'm going to just throw it in this in this pot of stew. I mean, it, you know, it's yeah, it's going to change the flavors of everything that way. So mm-hmm. that that makes sense. Um, so your your course, your uh, uh, your uh, uh, oh, In beginners, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, your uh,
3: our mixology certification.
2: Yeah, yeah, mixology certification. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm, I was pausing because I'm looking at your website at the same time, and oh, well, my brain yeah. my brain doesn't always work twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you. Uh, on this website, it has, you know, just uh, beginners, enthusiasts, bartenders, operators. Uh, are these broken down in w- when you teach the course? Do you assume everyone knows nothing and go from there? Or do you say, okay, I, you know, I've been a bartender for you know, 20 years, and I want to do this course and become, a, you know, more fluid in the wine aspect of making cocktails uh do you say okay well forget the bartending thing because you're going to approach this differently just like you would a beginner so uh
3: yeah um and i think that's a really good question because the the course itself is really designed for anybody like this is very deep knowledge um on all of the ingredients all the variables that i've kind of mentioned and i've kind of laid out you know you have your ingredients um you have your cocktail family, and you have your technique. Those are the three main areas that we cover. So we go into great depth um, in the first part of our course just on ingredients. I think the very first course we talk about um, just acids. Um, So we talk about the common ones, lemon, lime, orange, pineapple, cranberry, that we use behind the bar, um, and then we break those down into what is the pH of every single one of those ingredients. Uh, what is the sugar content of every one of those ingredients? Okay, mm-hmm. so those are the big ones, but a lemon isn't a lemon. Uh, you know, you have different varieties of lemons. So now we talk yeah. about um, Meyer lemons and all these different varieties of lemons. And we talk about the pH and Os in the sugar content and limes and oranges and pineapples. So we really explore every single variable in a, in a cocktail from an ingredient perspective to almost a fanatical level. Um it's, it's pretty in-depth. And then, you know, once we take the things that we know and we can identify, like all those ingredients from, um, from the citrus components, then we start talking about what else is out there. Bourjou is a prime example of that, historically not used in cocktails very often, but it has such a high pH that we can use that in our arsenal of ingredients to amplify wine in that context. Um, but then we go into refined acids as well. So, you know, citric acid, malic acid, lactic acid, um, you know, all very common terms in the wine world from a production standpoint.
0: Right. Um,
3: But now how can we use those refined acids to amplify and fortify some of those um, ingredients as well? So that is just one example of kind of the depth that we go through. And this is really to arm and to educate people that have literally no education in spirit or cocktails to get them from... This is really scary. To at the end of this course, I can concept out a cocktail in my head, and I have the, the framework, the technique, and the understanding on how to do that. Um, so uh, it, it is a really interesting course, and um, anybody that's excited about cocktails or learning to that level, um, the like I said, there I have never seen a class a class like this ever anywhere um, in the world. Um, so it, it, it is. I highly recommend it. I'm a little bit um, probably personal on it since we created it, but um, mm-hmm. that was kind of always the idea of giving you everything you need to know. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, people take it. Uh,
2: okay, I have a question. I'm not, not trying to put you on the spot here. Please. Uh, please, don't, no, please. If someone says, I want to take this course, but who the heck is this guy? What you said it's the only one of its type in the world, and so therefore mm-hmm. it is unique. What are you bringing to the table that is unique?
3: Absolutely. No, that's that's a very fair question. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm an open book, so feel free to kind of answer, ask any questions
2: um,
3: <laughs> uh, as far as that goes. So no, um,
2: devil's advocate there. Uh, that's all. I mean, you know, it's... it's...
3: No, I love it. I, I really do appreciate the chance the, um, the, to the, the talk about it because uh, I, I do think it's important
2: because anybody can create
3: a course and consider themselves, uh, you know, an expert in this field. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. my kind of history is, like I mentioned, I started bartending back in like 2000, 2003. Um, and I caught a whiff of kind of what was happening in the craft Classroom space. As soon as I did that, back in 2003, 2004, that's all I was dedicated on. I was dedicated on learning every single of these techniques, applying them, and seeing how to use them in a cocktail setting. Um, so my passion has always been that, um, and educating people. So, um, you know, that's, gosh, what is that, 15 years, 19 years now?
0: Yeah. Of me dedicating
3: myself to learning these techniques. Um, along the way, I um, acquired my first-level song, so I use that often, all the time. Um, in how I construct cocktails, um, but I've also been in the industry for
0: you
3: know I was a bartender doing high-end craft cocktails in years. Um, I've, so I did a, a, a restaurant where we're aiming for a Michelin, um, a place called The Girl and the Fig in Sonoma. Um, I kind of took their yeah. menu and kind of modernized it. Um, went into San Francisco, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with a gentleman by the name of Tyler Florence. He was one of the
0: celebrity yes. chefs
3: on the Food Network. Mm-hmm. So I ran his beverage program for five years oh. along with consulting for Diageo, along with helping to launch um, Patron uh, Roca uh, tequila when it came out to market um, yeah. and a lot of events and working with the industry. So um, as far as like pedigree, um I think I've, I've earned my lumps and kind of demonstrated my skills. Um, I probably am not as famous as some of the other people in, in the space, Um but, if you go to a lot of the craft cocktail bars in the area, then you say the word of bar above. many people will know who we are um in this oh,
0: oh very good
3: we do we do uh, some fun, really crazy stuff like advanced cutting edge techniques that just aren't scalable, but they sure are fun to play with <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh you 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 uh you mentioned your your pairing of your wine cocktails with food do uh-huh. you, do you have access to um well what's uh, exclusive foods now uh i mean obviously you can go down and pick yourself up a hamburger anywhere but uh you know something that is a little more exclusive uh you know, on the michelin style restaurants and stuff do you have access to that to work with your cocktails, or do yeah. you just?
3: Yeah, so with that, um, that is some of the things that I've done in my past. Um, one of the things I did, I was chosen to um, represent San Francisco in an event called Patron Secret Dining Society. So they had all these mm. um, pop-ups all over the country um, in all these major markets, and San Francisco was one of them. Um, and the concept is you get a really high-caliber chef, Michelin-bubble chef, or James Friedaway-winning chef in that location, and you pair them with a mixologist in that location. So I was actually uh-huh. chosen to do that, um, and the person oh, that chose to pair me with was a Michelin-bubble chef. Um, so we concepted on a menu, we bounced ideas off each other, um, and the focus was to create a cohesive menu between hotels and food. Um, Uh so, you know, that was a lot of kind of the work that I was doing when I was behind the bar was kind of that level of work. Um, not only did I have access to, you know, the ingredients at that level, but I also had access to the education and the chefs and their minds and the pastry chef's minds and their input and their expertise. Um, and you know, they, they really did help me to understand ingredients so much deeper level. Um, and how to utilize them in cocktails. Um, so yeah, that was that was a fun time. That was a, 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 an amazing part of my journey for sure.
2: Well, it sounds like it. yeah. I mean, and yeah. Oh, I was just thinking the input from the different chefs and all that would probably be a great resource for the cocktail because they would be looking at a different angle of it. As opposed to what you would probably approach it, so it would it would be interesting there.
3: Um, yeah, absolutely, yes. and and it, great conversations with chefs about that, and they're, they're, the focus of them is always flavor development and, and targeting. You know when flavors get released, so.
2: Yeah. I, I can imagine. I mean it's probably you know, just you know my brain is full. My brain is full, yeah. <laughs> uh, your 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 bar tools. Uh there's quite mm-hmm. a bit dedicated on your website about your bar tools and and all the different uh different things that uh, that you have there. What got you into that? What did you say? Okay, everybody needs this stuff, I need to you know, be a an outlet for it or what is the thought behind doing the whole bar tool thing?
1: So a lot of the fr-
3: a lot of bar above was started out of frustration. Um, I kind of already mentioned the information and the blogging and as a way to kind of, you know, share with the world, um, you know, what was happening at that time. Um, the tools were also born out of frustration. Um, <laughs> you know, we had the podcast, we had YouTube, uh, and we had people asking us at the time, you know, what, what bar tools do you recommend? And back then, like, 2000, oh, man, 2015, 2016, when you went on Amazon and searched for a Boston Shaker, you know, the two piece that you see behind bars, there was only two, and they didn't work well. And there problems (laughs) with it. So there was no professional set, uh, believe it or not. So we actually launched, I think, the third Boston Shaker. um, So basically, my wife was like, you keep saying that, these tools are garbage, well, what are you going to do about it?
0: So we did something
3: about it. We created better tools. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we do is uh, address the lot of the frustration and kind of the, um, where we're bar tools fail, you know? I, I handled enough bar tools in my life. I've broken pretty much all of them and I know <laughs> at where they fail, why they fail, and so we remedy that um, and just make the best bar tools that you could possibly have. I, it's funny, like the other day, about six months ago, um, the very first cocktail shaker that we got from, we sourced from China, the very first one that we sourced, we gave to a friend of mine in Florida um, and said, just tell me how it is. And, you know, he loved it. And he sent it back to me about six months ago. And he told me that um, our cocktail shaker lasted uh, almost 100,000 cocktails in that time. Wow. Yes. Um, and I have it sitting on my desk. So. You know, we design things that will last in a high-volume place, but also can work inside of um, anyone's home. So, you know, like I said, I've been frustrated with a lot of the cocktail tools in the past, um, either from a functional standpoint or a company that does not have good customer service for the hospitality industry. So that's um, kind of where we are really focused on is developing great tools with the bartenders in mind. Um, so so you know, we've uh-huh. been very successful in that space and really enjoying that um development
2: of bar tools as well. Yeah, well they're beautiful. I you know, I'm they're on the, your uh website. Anyone who is curious too, uh you can check out all this a Simple as that. Nothing Nothing fancy, no dots or dashes or anything. Just a simple a bar above, and you can access all this stuff. Uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 How mm-hmm. did that come about? And yeah, I see you've celebrated over 200 episodes now. How did that come about? Uh, what is the uh, the basic theme? I mean, we're all about wine, and it's wine. Uh, what? Is mm-hmm. your basis in cocktails or uh, mixing cocktails or, uh, you know, what is your basis of the podcast if we to sit down and listen to one?
3: Yeah. So there's a, kind of a wide gamut of information that we kind of covered um, over the years. You know, th- there's a lot of, you know, information sharing as far as techniques and stuff. There's a lot of conversations about industry focused stuff. Um, there's a lot of, conversations about, you know, as a professional bartender, what are your next steps in your career? Um, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Do you want to be a brand ambassador? Um, so originally we really did cater to an industry audience and supporting mm-hmm. them and giving them good advice. You know, how do you make more money behind the bar? Well, there's a couple of variables. And I always try to think of things in variables, like what are the things that I can influence um, and then give advice in that way. So if you have a higher check average, that could increase, you know, your income. If you have more terms, if you can if you just go through more people for volume, then that gives you an opportunity to make more money from a volume perspective. So we try to give a good advice from, from that for anybody in the industry, whether it be starting your career, going to the next steps in your career, starting a business, um, you know, health, longevity, mental health, um, all of that. And then recently we've kind of switched a little bit more over to Um, more cultural stuff um, because I realized that, you know, I'm the representation that is in craft tacos is very singular. Um, It's a very one dimensional lens. uh, And I felt like with our platform and, and kind of who we are as a company, that our platform would be best served with, you know, amplifying people that probably don't have a voice in this community and getting their thoughts and their take on cocktails because it's fascinating. And they bring so, like, the conversations have changed considerably and, and they have become more interesting. And, and, you know, the history they bring and the culinary side they bring to the conversation is just so unique and so cool, just a one-voice, you know, um, movement, then it would probably not be as interesting. So it, it has been really amazing and kind of refreshing from that aspect, too.
2: Yeah, I, I watched, um, I, not the whole episode, I watched you know, a couple of episodes just, you know, to get an idea of what mm-hmm. you were doing. And I, I watched the more recent ones. I didn't mm-hmm. see, I didn't pull up um archive and watch the older ones, but the, the more recent ones. And I got the feeling that it would apply to anyone who might just be interested in listening a little bit about cocktails and uh, that. Area of uh, of uh, the industry and all. It's uh, it seemed uh, you know very informative of that. I was curious though. Do you get different guests on, or is it just you and your wife? Or uh, what is your format?
3: Yeah, so we typically do um, guests. Um, you know, we've done it for gosh eight years now. We did the podcast. We just went on hiatus. Um, since after making a podcast for eight years, uh, created Brick. Um, and so we were kind of reframing that a little bit. But for the most part, it was me and my wife or me and a guest. Um, because I always try to have a conversation with somebody that's truly an expert in their space. Um, because not only is it a much more interesting conversation, but I can't be an expert in everything. I don't want to be. Um, <laughs> but I want to find the people that are Right and learn yeah. from them. I've learned more from that podcast um, than I probably have ten years,
2: fifteen years behind the
3: blog. Um, Let me tell you, <laughs> uh, yeah, are
2: you, our no blog. Blog me, right? <laughs> Oh, I tell you, I have learned so much. I mean, just so many fascinating things doing doing this. It's just yeah. amazing.
0: It's,
3: yeah, and it's incredible. Like I, I feel l- like it's too good to be true. Like I, I can reach out to almost anybody in the industry that's at the very top and we could have a great conversation, you know, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a, a, a platform and give them the spotlight. So it's, it's really a lot of fun.
2: It is. Yeah. yeah I, I can understand and relate to that. And I agree. It It is a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Uh, did it, you say you went on hiatus. Why? Uh, I mean, geez, uh, we've been doing this for 13 years and, I still get a kick out of it every week. Did you do it weekly, or more often, or less often? What was your uh, it was, schedule?
3: Uh, twice a month uh, is what we did. Uh, we were doing it once a week in the beginning, and it's, it's too much. And the logistics of kind of finding guests and all that—it just kind of um, took a, a little bit of creative soul. Um, and there's other sides of the business. You know, like I said, we've done—we do a lot of things. Um, we have a very small team, but we do a lot of things. And one of the areas that has been neglected in our business for quite a few years is product development. Um, So we haven't released any new bar tools in probably about a year or two. And as an e-commerce company, primarily, um, you know, that innovation and new lineup um, in 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 your portfolio is really important just to excite the people that love your tools and to give them, lot more creative energy into that um learning more about the business is you know i'm sure you can fully relate to you know Mm. when you are passionate about something like i am with tacos and you are with wine um you know we we devour a lot of that information but when you have a business and you're doing production and you're doing media you have to learn that side of it too Mm. so um (laughs) yeah you know and that that takes away from your passion and and all these things so um you know it's just a it's uh, small pause, we're going to kind of bolster the capabilities of our company in the, in the meantime, add a lot of new products, which I'm really excited about. Uh, we're launching <laughs> a lot of new products probably this year and next. Um, and then probably bring in – thoughtfully bring back the podcast and YouTube videos um, uh-huh. to help, you know, educate and support, you know, the industry because that's what we're about. We're We're really about supporting – Um, people that work in the industry because I did it for 15 years. I understand how hard it is. So I want to give them every opportunity to succeed um, and take away any of the barriers, um, people in that that space.
2: You mentioned bar tools. Now you Mm -hmm. have your basic bar tools. You have your shakers, you have your strainers and your stirrers. That is a basic Mm -hmm. set of bar tools. So what prompts you to say, okay, we need a whatever to do this job? I mean, it seems like your basics have been around for so long and they do the job. What gives you the thought to think that it needs to have something else in that set to do the job more efficiently?
1: Yeah, so there, one of the things
3: that's happening in the craft cocktail space is there's just an absolute evolution of what's happening, and the tools that we use are evolving. The techniques that we have at our disposal are, are just going crazy. So, um, yes, you have your standard bar set. You have your standard, you know, things that you see behind any common bar. You're but right. then when you start to getting into the area that we're talking about and talking about, you know, cocktail creation, and ingredient production and manipulating ingredients to a higher level, there's so much opportunity there to support and really foster that community. Um, so, like um, smoked cocktails has been a, a big thing recently where you add a smoked element in a presentation piece to a cocktail. So that's an opportunity for us to create something that is thoughtfully designed for a bartender or a home enthusiast um you know, using my experience and uh, thoughtful product design, um, so there is no limit of products that we can produce. And I'm not joking; mm-hmm. we probably are going to have somewhere between 13 new, brand new lineups of oh, wow in the next year, and probably, you know, we probably have about 60 um, that are swabbed for the next
2: couple of years. So, uh, wow. there's no
3: shortage. And as this community and um, you know, area evolve, it's just going to open up more opportunities to support bartenders in that creative space. Um, so You, you,
2: you know uh, what you're doing, Chris. It, you, be, what you're doing is you're getting yourself spread even thinner and thinner and thinner whenever you start <laughs> doing all this. Well,
3: <laughs> and honestly, Ron, I think my hope is like, you know, this thing, you know, there's going to be a point where we can do fulfill our, our primary mission. Um, and that is education. You know, the bar tools pay the bills, but our our driver has always been education. You know, we started as a blog to communicate techniques and stuff, um, so that's always at the heart of our brand, um, and the bar tools allow us to to fund that education component of the company.
2: Oh, well, you know, that's... And if you have new, unique ones out there, they are going to be grabbed because it is something that is new and unique, and so obviously it's going to work that way. You're... you're um, yeah. Uh, your course, your class—is what is the cost for that? Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I believe we will have to check, but I think it's one hundred and fifty dollars. And I'll be honest with you, we undercharge, and I know we do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> one
2: hundred and fifty sheep. Yeah, and I know. I, I was expecting right. more. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, can someone? jump in any time, or do you have set dates that you start a new course, or uh, is it online and they can just go through that way? How, how does that work?
3: Yeah, so it is all online. Uh, you can take it at your own pace. Um, so anybody in the world uh, can take this, and we have people all over the world uh, graduating through the certification every day. It's um, huh. pretty cool. So um, you can take it at your own pace. I highly recommend the way the course is structured. I think there's like nine, maybe 12 different modules where we go, like one module would be ACID and we identify everything. So there's like nine or 12 different modules um, that we do a significant deep dive into. Um, It's a lot of video. um, And there's also additional homework. So if we touch upon a subject and we don't go deep enough for you, we give you links to go as deep as you want to go or reference books or give you anything that you want to go to really fuel your creativity and your passion. Um, And we also do tests. So to go from one module to the next, you have to pass an exam. Oh, no, (laughs) test. Yeah, and, you know, for the the most part, you know, the modules themselves are pretty light um, because we want to make sure that you are understanding the concept. But it's Uh not just something you're going to breathe through. Um, And at the end, there's a final uh, multiple choice final, and there's an actual exam that you have to fill out that somebody actually grades. Um, wow! So it, it it the the certification does mean something special. Not everybody yeah. passes. Um, it's kind of like the sommelier exam uh, in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, Only not as hard. hard Obviously,
0: yeah.
3: uh, it's a different focus um, uh-huh. for sure. Probably not as hard because we can't do the tasting uh, component like you can with a sommelier um and in person since it is all online but there's a lot of information you have to have in your back pocket um and demonstrate
2: proficiency and so um yeah it's it's, it's a different thing for sure wow oh, oh, that, that sounds a lot more involved than what i first pictured or first thought uh that's mm-hmm. good mike do you have any questions for chris or any comments or anything
1: Oh uh, okay. well, actually, I was uh, when y'all were talking about the uh, French seventy-five. I went on a bar above and found the recipe, uh, and it's uh, really cool. I don't know if you saw Ron, but uh, if you go to a, a bar dot com forward slash recipe forward slash French dash seventy-five, the number seventy-five, uh, you'll get the uh, the ingredients and the instructions. And uh, what's really cool is you can select the number of servings you want. And the ingredients um, change accordingly, uh, the, the, the amounts, and uh, I, which brought me to another question, uh, because like mm-hmm. the default I think, was four servings, uh, wine pours, uh, we know are generally twelve to sixteen ounces. I mean, I'm sorry, four ounces. And uh, <laughs> 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 what this is? Wait, a little bit. I'm, go, I'm uh, coming to
3: your house, Mike, for, for, dinner. that's all I'm saying. I'm bringing a yeah, big old
0: glass. Yeah, really? And
3: I, I promise I won't boil it down into a syrup. I promise. Yeah. Well, is,
1: is there a, uh, is there a typical, uh, cocktail pour? Is there, is there a, is there an amount that's, you know, pretty much a standard, like, like in wine, when you say pour, it's, you know, four or five ounces. I think it was, I forgot, but, uh, yeah, it a standard I, for a, I think it depends
3: yeah. on the cocktail you're making. Like most most standard pours in a bar are anywhere from one and a half to two ounces. Um, classic cocktails, uh, ounces of alcohol is a general kind of baseline for for the industry. Um, so yeah, that's that's about what we kind of go with. But then when this is all about balance, and you now you're adding alcohol in a bowl of wine, so now you need to subtract from the alcohol you're using, or else it's going to be overpowering. So there's a balance element when you're using
1: ingredients that have alcohol in it too. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, but it's it, it is good that uh, you know with the instructions you you mention what is needed um, and uh, um, to, to make it and everything and, and it's it's and then you have the shop as well like uh, you were talking about before where you can actually go in and purchase what you need if you don't have it. Like myself, I don't. I don't know what a fine mesh strainer is, but I, looking at your site, I go, oh, okay. <laughs> That's, you have everything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we try to
3: make it easy you know, to, to spend money with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, you, you want to get into it. You have the recipes, you know, for somebody who isn't into it yet. You also have the, uh, the kits, uh, you know, the complete uh, set and everything. You've got individual items, and it's all right there. I mean, uh, all you need to do is get your ingredients together and, and, uh, you know, get, get the, uh, what you need to do to make it. And it's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a good connection there and it's, it's all right there. So, uh, check out the shop as well, but, uh, yeah, it's very, very well done. And, um, the, anybody out there, the mixology certification course, only $150. That is very inexpensive for, for what you get. Uh, it's roughly eight, nine weeks, uh, depending. I mean, if, unless you're, you spend all day on it or something, you can get through it, but take your time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's done in their absorb own part so, yeah. so do it
2: absorb it. understand
1: yeah. It. Yeah. Absorb it. Don't just take it to say, okay, and it my certificate, take it and learn something and, and then, you know, go through the, uh, the final exams and everything. And, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's really cool. So, um, yeah, yeah I am that, taking notes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. You he, <laughs> he, he, he always do. Uh, well, Chris, before, uh, uh, once Mike's done there, I, I wasn't trying to cut you off. Uh, before we leave give us all of your contact information websites and uh, you you do a lot of stuff i mean you you have blogs you have uh just you know twitter youtube uh, you're on spotify uh you know facebook facebook groups all sorts of stuff give us the contact ways that anyone out there can get a hold of you or Follow or phone numbers, address that they want to write you a letter, email, whatever. Uh, give us all the contacts so absolutely. people can.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, on most social media platforms, if you just look at uh, look at at a bar above a b a r a b o v e, um, you're probably going to find us. Um, We are very active on uh, Instagram. Uh, We just launched TikTok, which um, I feel like I'm way too old to do TikTok, but uh, (laughs) here we are. We're doing TikTok. Um, And uh, Facebook, I believe, is uh, look up a bar club. you'll find us. Um, We have two Facebook groups, the Craft Bartender Community, um, which I highly recommend anybody if you're an enthusiast. Um, We have the Craft Cocktail Club, which is an amazing space to learn and to share and to kind of go on a, a cocktail journey. Um, so that's the Craft Cocktail Club. If you're an industry craft bar center community, uh, both on Facebook, um, our website is abarabove.com. And you can find all of our bar tools. Um, you can find a link for the mixology certification uh, there as well. And um, you could go to YouTube and type in a bar above, and my, you know, fuzzy face is going to come up there. And uh, you can learn <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff with us for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh and we've been talking, you are co founder of a bar above. I take it your wife is the other co founder.
3: She is. She's the brains of the operation. Um she does, you know, the day to day and has a team and really runs the business. Um and I do a lot of the outreach, uh, tool development
2: um and uh, other parts of the business as well. Kind of the And absen- An Absentia. what is her name? Uh
3: Julia Tunstall is her name and uh Julia? I'm a very lucky man to have her.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um good. Uh I was uh we we've talked about you and you being co founder, but we had to get the other half in there so before we left. So, uh Mike, any last comments or questions before we say goodnight to Well, I we say mm-hmm. We're good night here because we're in Florida. You're in California, so it's not really good night yet for you. But uh, you know, we're in,
0: we're five,
2: four
1: something. It's not four over there, is it? Four ten? o'clock.
2: No. Uh, five five so it's five just about ten. time five. for me to have a glass of wine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, actually, any time is a good time to have a glass of wine. Right? <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Chris, thank you very much. Fantastic. Uh, information there and, and it just uh, uh answers a lot of the questions when i first uh got contact uh about you i'm going wine in a cocktail but that uh really does show the uh the possibilities there and uh i've already had people email me after i put up your recipes on our facebook page here already email me saying i can't wait to try some of these these look great and so it's nice. uh
3: that's great
2: yeah it it's uh, uh people have already you know jumped into it so and uh if they are looking at any other recipes or something is do you have them on your website or do you, do you yeah, we have are, a lot
3: of recipes on the website um and you can kind of look through there um to find some um we don't really specialize in wine cocktails, so you're gonna see a lot more traditional style cocktails but um you know, once you understand the concept, um, it's pretty easy to, you know, uh, have some fun, incorporate some wine here and there, yes. and uh, have a really interesting and amazing cocktail.
2: Or right, start adding in your uh, 19... 32 Petrus or something like that you know you know (laughs) this is a
0: gateway right
2: here (laughs) I'll make it a little special okay thank you Chris for (laughs) taking the time out this evening and joining us and uh, best of luck to you and a wonderful future for what you've already the event you've already started on and best of luck to a bar above
3: Thank, thank, you thank you so much for having me, gentlemen, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to
2: connect again. Uh, I don't keep it in mind. We'll we'll make a note of it, and, and in a year or so, we'll you know, see if we can't touch up with you and see where you're at then.
3: Appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, we'll have a great evening. Uh,
2: you also. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All right. That was... Oh, that was...
0: Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we
2: go. yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. So, I you know, it's uh obviously he has the knowledge <laughs> in wine but to, to apply it to the uh to the cocktail aspect of it, that is something unique and that's really you know, quite mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, quite unusual so uh great uh great talk with them i enjoyed that i uh mm-hmm. I had, like i say i had questions before the show but that explains a lot of it today is mm-hmm. tannit day by the way uh you know a tannit is a type of grape and it's made into a wine so you can always uh find tannin just about everywhere in the world, because it is available just about everywhere in the world. So, and, and I've heard that Tannet grape is the most planted grape in the world. So uh, uh, I, I read that somewhere, and I can't remember what the source is, but it is planted everywhere. Sunday is Easter, as all of you in uh, that uh, persuasion, and religious persuasion. Passover starts tomorrow and so uh we got Easter and Passover here both on uh, uh together with us as always and Sunday is also World Malbec Day. So uh, mm. it's uh something that falls on the same day as Easter this year, World Malbec Day. Good good wine, Malbec, If you haven't had it, Argentina puts out some really nice Malbecs and so you can go to the Argentina section of your local wine shop and pick up a Malbec and enjoy it on Sunday, which is Malbec Day. And that's it. I wanted to point out those couple of holidays there and a couple of wine days. Mm-hmm. And Very cool. Yeah. So, but It
1: is uh, 8.15, uh, 815 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, here in Florida and uh I guess uh, unless you have any late minute things going on we'll close the show and uh yeah. see everybody Good next guess. Thursday twenty uh, first. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. Very interesting yeah, it was. I I'm, try it myself. i I think I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do and, and get out there and get some of these ingredients together and um
0: follow up. Yeah.
2: Mike and I were Go a little ahead. apprehensive about what uh Chris was going to bring to the table here tonight we we weren't sure what uh the, his concept was or the you know, and we were are both pleasantly surprised it was uh very interesting and he was very knowledgeable so it was uh, yeah, uh it was a good show yeah, yeah so yeah,
1: yeah um so uh join us next week at seven p m eastern time if you want to join us live or any of our uh streaming services uh in archives as well. Uh, that's always, just, uh, uh, you know, we thank you for that. Uh, we'll be live uh, next Thursday, April 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Blog Talk Radio, Facebook, and our YouTube channel as well. And uh, thank you. Uh, I forgot to save. Some, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> thank you all And uh, have a great week. <laughs>
2: have a good week. Don't forget to tune in Saturday morning to Mike's Radio Show. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Thanks.
1: This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwine.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine. All about wine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All about wine. That's right. Oh, and, and close that out. Go to the green room.